watch this space if you're if you're a property watch owner. Watch the space, really? That's what you went with? Come on. I was going with something else, then you interrupted me quite rudely. Come on. David Cunliffe remains about as popular in the Labour caucus as a pussycat at Gareth Morgan's house. Look, this is a la-la budget. When my eyebrow goes up, it's a joke. Police still arrest criminals in New Zealand. We tried cannabis prohibition for the past 40 years. The fact is, that was a boring, useless speech. Sip it, sweetie, I'm getting there. Mr. Speaker, they say a week is a long time in politics. Hello and welcome back to the Iron Duke podcast, your weekly recap of all things policy and politics where we run you through our picks and our pits, interesting bits and anything that fits from Aotearoa and around the globe. We are back with another election themed special. I'm still just as sick as before and I'm joined in studio by Principal Consultant Byron Terrace. Hello, it's great to be back on the Iron Duke podcast, isn't it really? It's good to host this thing. After the local government elections and of the five guests that we had on our last two podcasts, we better do a bit of a dissection, Maddie. I think we need to go through the themes that have come out of 2022's local government bonanza. Kia ora, good evening. The country has spoken. Well, around 40% of the country has spoken. First day at work and Wayne Brown was in a chipper mood. Have you stopped smiling, Torifano? Christchurch City has a new mayor in the form of Phil Major. Dunedin has a new Mayor Jules Radich. Record lows. I don't think that's good for democracy. People are tired of this government. What it signalled was very much that people want a change of direction. Really resounding message to the government that they're not happy with the status quo. So covering today, just a bit of a sprinkle, we've got the right wing swing, the swing to the right, and the only city that elected a Tory didn't swing to the right. Similar themes going through all major elections, regardless of whether you were kind of a left wing councillor or a right wing councillor. We're going to talk about the two major mayoralties that we kind of had on our podcast. So we're going to talk about a little bit about Wayne Brown's mayoralty, the impact that he's already having, and also Tory here in the capital. And then we're going to talk a little bit about turnout. Yeah. Which is always kind of abysmal with local government. What it means. What exactly. it means, right? Look, it was an absolute slaughter for the centre-left, wasn't it? It was a total slaughter in all but one major centre for the for the centre-left. So, I mean, let's talk those through, some of the major ones. Obviously, we'll go into depth for Auckland and Wellington. Somewhere like Rotorua, though, they had an outgoing Labour Party mayor, elected a former National Party candidate. Dunedin, for example, really strong, really high-profile Green Party mayor, again, swung to the centre-right. That one really surprised me. You know, a, a student city where the emphasis mm. is on get out, you might be a renter or a student, you know, get out and vote for your Green Party mayor, beaten by a, a one-term councillor. Oh, totally. Really interesting. And Nelson, uh, Nelson electing Nick Smith. He's back. Former MP for the National Party, Nick Smith. He spent like nearly 30 years in the big house. Exactly. Christchurch is another one. Phil Major, Phil that's Major right. Phil Major replacing Leanne Dalziel. And a lot of these were really strong incumbent mayors. And I think what it says is that people were eager for change. I think it is a change narrative. One of the challenges I've noticed in the media commentary in and around this change narrative, though, is if voter turnout's so low, how deep can you read into this swing to the right? And that generally comes from people who are a little bit butthurt about their candidates not getting in. Oh, the totally. same people that would say, oh, it was a wonderful, you know, Auckland's had a wonderful uh, bunch of left-wing, uh, left-wing mayors, it's been brilliant. Under the same system with similar turnouts, over the last kind of three or four elections. So all of a sudden, this conversation about the system and, oh, isn't voter turnout bad, tries to undermine the legitimacy of some of these mayors that have been elected simply because 
they're from the other side of politics. Oh, look, I, I disagree. I think it is important to talk about the type of people who turn out for local government elections, and that is the landed gentry. That is ratepayers. It is people with addresses to have voting papers sent to. It is boomers, and they've overwhelmingly voted for change. That generation who are coming through, and it's important to recognise that in the next central government election, millennials and Gen X will outnumber the boomers. But right now, they still show up, and they still overwhelmingly vote for conservative candidates who are going to protect property rights. I can see where some of those calls around the style of election comes from. But by that logic, we should never, ever have left-wing mayors. Ever. If only it's the well, white and worried that are turning out. Yeah, but last election, Labour was still at an all-time high. I think the logic for increasing turnout is really important. And at the moment, a postal ballot is is rubbish. It's a terrible no, way of doing it. No, at the it. moment, contracting a private company to two come pri- in... Two and private companies. Two, pri- two, okay, private two companies. private companies. To come in and run our local government elections is an absolute shambles. What way is there for New Zealand to say, we don't really care about this, than contracting an organisation who isn't incentivised in any way, shape or form to drive turnout? We need to bring it back in-house, I think, and we need to run it in the same way that we run our central government elections, and we need people to take it seriously. Well, the driving turnout piece is not the job of the companies. No, and we wouldn't want it to be because that would be... No, the driving turnout piece is actually the responsibility of local government, which this election has shown is everybody's under-resourced. So I don't think that local governments themselves should run these elections. I do think it should be the Electoral Commission. Just beef up the Electoral Commission to be able to run local government elections. For goodness sake, it's the same orange man branding. I know. Or if you're in Palmerston North, the same terrifying orange man morph suit that's coming at you in the middle of the night if you don't vote. Did you see that advertising? That was remarkable to try and increase voter turnout. So it's the same branding, it's the same advertising. So why isn't the Electoral Commission running it right now? Well, let's talk about the turnout numbers. 36%, right? Abysmal. Why bother voting? You know, local government's had all of its guts stripped out of it, or at least it's about to. Why bother voting, let alone standing? You know, and and we did see that in terms of the quality of some of the candidates. It begs the question. A lot of people are just completely disengaged with it. Mm. And so, like I said before, the people you do get turning out are the people who care about the cost of rates, because that's the biggest one. There's another piece there as well. People who own property often own multiple properties, so often end up voting in several different local body elections. And it raises the question, how fast are the landed gentry to turn around and stop harping on about this one one person, one vote co-governance situation when it plays out in their favour in the way that it does in local body? That's a great point. Yeah. Why are you looking surprised? I make them all the time. We've got to be careful not to conflate people's ownership of stuff and their success in their lives with dissatisfactory results in democracy. And I think that's been used quite a lot, especially on social media, to basically say, oh, all these rich white people voting in these candidates that I don't like. So actually, did you do anything to encourage voter turnout yourself? I mean, one well, thing... Well, did the system do anything to encourage your voter turnout? So looking here in, no. So looking here in the capital, uh, I was really impressed with Tori Whanau's campaign. Oh, shit, yeah. So... Ground game, lots of volunteers out there, young volunteers, yep. lots of young, engaged Enthusiastic. people. And it is, I know, yep, for everyone outside of the Beltway, outside of Wellington, I get it, it's Wellington. You've got all of these kind of engaged people that think they're going to be the next Prime Minister, all walking around the streets, beating the drum for Tori Whanau. I understand that. But if we can do it here, it can be done anywhere else in the country. Gore elected the youngest ever mayor, Ben Bell, congratulations, 23. sir, 23. They had a turnout of 52.5%. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's nuts. Which is higher than the average of 36 around the country. So that's quite impressive. So actually it can be done. This turnout can be done in other centres. I'm not saying it's necessarily young people though, Byron. There's also just a lot of politically apathetic people out there who show up when it's really easy to understand because it's red team, blue team. But as soon as they need to understand a little bit more about it, it just gets thrown into the too hard basket. And I don't think our voting system makes it any easier for people. So let's talk about themes. So themes of this election. I've I've noticed that... Potholes. Potholes. Fix the basic stuff. That has been critical across every single mural candidate that I've looked around at, whether it be here, Auckland, Christchurch, you name it. Fix the basics. Get our cities and towns kind of feeling like places that are a bit more vibrant. And I understand we've had the uh, the difficulty of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has been uh, you know challenging for major centres and the kind of heart of cities. But that has been a constant kind of drumbeat theme. And then, you know, an interesting parallel between Rotorua and Wellington is the social housing question? Is the rising cases of homelessness, you know, housing totally hardship? Agree. What are we doing for these vulnerable people? We're concentrating them. You get complex social challenges, and so both mayors elected uh, in those two centres kind of focused on yeah, that. and they really drove it home from quite an empathetic standpoint as well. So it allowed people to cast a really strong conscience vote for someone who they knew was going to do the right thing for it, but still get it out of their face. Yeah, exactly. So there's been some uh, other themes in and around keeping rates low. I think with, you know the the centre, which is terrible. Centre right candidates have this uh, I don't know this moniker that they always lean on, which is I'm going to keep your rates low. And I look at uh, Todonga. So Todonga's got uh, commissioners at the moment. You know they deleted the They're elected members. It. First thing those commissioners did was raise rates. That's the first thing they did. And you know who complained? Nobody. Everyone because was everyone realised that that needed to happen to pay for. The basics. Totally. And so I think this obsession with keeping rates low does hold us back a little bit. I know it's politics and they have a right to campaign on that. That's cool. No problem. But Which is fine. But like, don't come in here and tell me that you've got to fix the basics for the same cost that the other guys are currently bringing in and not fixing the basics. Mm, exactly. I think the next big one is Three Waters. And that was really a platform a lot of people stood on. You went to any council debate and it was one of the first questions that you were asked, are you for or against? That, alongside co-governance, was mm. another hugely concerning topic, stuff in and around Māori wards. What I think this needs to show the Prime Minister and her cabinet is that they need to use Waitangi Day as a factory reset on those two issues to explain what it is they actually mean to New Zealanders. Because whilst there is a void of clear information there for people to digest and understand, it is playing against them in the polls so aggressively. And I think last weekend was an example of that. I think they're just going to bullishly push it through. I don't think the government's listening to this local government election. For Labour, you can either laugh or cry. <laughs> Jacinda Ardern has chosen the former. The Prime Minister's reaction was kind of shock. Um, the lo- it took the local government minister, uh, I don't think she's actually issued no. a formal statement she yet. She might have written the, to them by hand. She might have done that, yeah, like you know, like them. a post-it, like the um, like your ballot papers, and I've never turned up. <laughs> That'll be tough. Uh, and that, uh, It's showing a pretty big disconnect between this local government election and central government, which is another, it's almost as if Maddie's reading my notes, it's another one of these big themes. This big local central disconnect, centralisation, we're doing stuff to you, not in conversation. Consultation, three waters as you've picked up on. Major concern, whether you agree or disagree with it or whatever, you know, something's got to change. 
But having Wellington being perceived as just doing something to communities out there, you know, the good people of Gore getting some appointed body from Wellington, yeah. that was one of the big themes in this local government election that I'm seeing. And, and it's totally polarised the political landscape. When you start to think about stripping out the key functions of local government that people feel like they have a democratic right to have a say over, you're going to start to lose the electorate. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a big challenge. There's some really good data on how many candidates, like we're talking council candidates and yeah. ward candidates, uh, support and local local board candidates supported three waters or not. It was a considerable majority against. Even Wellington, this little left wing bubble that we live in, had more candidates against three waters than it did for, which just blew my mind. Let's kick into talking about Auckland and Wellington. First up, Tori Fano, former Green Party chief of staff. Comes in, relatively no profile, announces real early. She's been at this game for over a year now. Mm. Hustles hard, hoardings everywhere, massive ground campaign. But she's up against Paul Eagle, a sitting Labour Party MP based in the Wellington region. Poor chick doesn't have a chance. What does she do? She wipes the floor with him. He comes fourth place. What does that mean to you, Byron? I think Paul suffered from a perception in Wellington that he wasn't really in it. That was the big takeaway for me. You know, people kind of made comments to me about, I don't really see him. Uh, you know, he's not a, he's not handing out flyers. You know, I've, I you know good the good burgers of Wellington saw Andy Foster out but for a run, out for a jog. Forth. Yeah, out for a jog. Andy Foster delivering flyers mm. while he's out for a jog. Mm. It's like. People saw that, and you know that just filters through. And then you have a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden, word word of mouth, you go, oh, "He's kind of dedicated." And the perception that I got from Paul was that people didn't see him do that. And also, and this is this is no criticism of any one individual. His campaign, I don't think, had that same impact mm. that Tories did, and it wasn't as particularly well run or well staffed or well volunteered. Tory ran a sexy campaign, and yeah. I mean that in, in every sense of the world. Yeah. Like, it was incredibly attractive, it was drawing people to it, it mm. was fun to be around, it was lively and energetic, and, and it was really obvious that she did stand for change. Keep in mind, Paul's another guy from the big house, yeah. and even yeah. in Wellington people have got issues with the big house. And coming back to that theme of kind of local central disconnect, mm. despite this being the same city as the home of government, there is still that disconnect mm. with central government doing shit to the local community here. Um, and so I think Paul probably, to some people, represented that. Yeah, I think so too. Exciting thing for Tory, though, is she actually has got a working majority on that council. It's going to be the first time they've had that in three years. Yeah. So I'm really excited for what this means for Wellington. Moving on to Auckland, and blood nose Wayne Brown he is not going to have that same luck. He is yeah. up against it. And my God, did he come out swinging. There are, there are, everyone's remaining for a little bit. Swinging against council-controlled organisations, other councillors swinging up against the staff of Auckland Council, some of the big salaries. He the doesn't. Media. He doesn't believe that his own personal salary of $296,000 a year is that large. He's not too sure when he's going to work. He told us that when we met with him. He exactly. basically said it was going to be a charity job for it him. It wouldn't pay my GST, I believe was the quote. Yeah. And so he's come... He's really entering this from quite a combative You know he's older than Tim Shadbot? Okay. Incredible. Nuts. Incredible. Really. He's like almost eighty. Yeah, he's he's gonna have a he's gonna be one one term probably. He'll be seventy nine at the next um local government elections. 
It's pretty wild. Anyway, so he's appointed a um, a pretty right wing team to be, to run his transition. Oh, he's a- appointed the most right wing yep. bot team. <laughs> Three of the four horsemen Top, of the right yeah. wing apocalypse. Matthew uh, Hooten's hanging out there. Yeah, Hooten, Hurdle, and Thomas, which sounds like a kind of high street law firm. So they are put in there to essentially sort out a couple get of you things. Out of some real dodgy stuff. Sort out the port. All right, Wayne Brown wants to find four hundred million dollars from the port. Don't know where he's going to find that. He shouted my idea for a waterfront stadium so he can get... Maddie's got the big sads over that. Yeah. Second, sort out the council-controlled organisation. He's already demanded the resignation of Ekipanuku, Auckland Council's development arm. Demanded their resignation, but they said no, they're standing their ground. So already he's got one big shit fight from one of the agencies. And then the third thing, the third thing that's coming, how the hell is he going to work with his council and not only as council, you've got to remember, Auckland has over 100 elected representatives because they also have community boards. And so then he's got all these other community boards that are out there that are probably not going to like his kind no. of blood nose approach. No, they won't. I also want to briefly touch on Efeso as well because, I mean, that was just a disaster of a campaign. He was supposed to be, in my view, the first Pacifica mayor of Auckland. And his campaign team were a shambles. He We were on the receiving end of that we shambles. We were on the receiving end of that. He failed to run a strong ground campaign. No one really knew what he stood for. Things got real messy towards the end there. He got, t- he got, he got tied into a couple of just messy bits along the way. And now he's gone. Just not turning up to stuff. You're a real basic political campaigning. Just turn up. And for that South Auckland representation, he was a phenomenal voice for them, and I think it is a real shame to see him go from around the council table. I think it's highly likely we'll see him in uh, central politics. This Labour Party, they walk away from losers real fast. Look at what happened to Justin Lester. Justin Lester, Paul Eagle, Efeso Collins. Suddenly that Labour Party brand doesn't seem so strong, does it? No, and it's a shame because that is where some of New Zealand's greatest political talent sits. I think at the margins where the vote didn't go their way on a Sunday. So looking at Brown's campaign strategy, it was purely targeted at all the people you just mentioned before. Quite simply, who votes in Auckland? It's ratepayers and property owners. Okay, they're generally in these suburbs. Yeah. They're generally angry about these issues. My campaign is going to focus on them. I'm not going to focus on anybody used, else. I'm um, hoarding pictures of him like five years ago so that he didn't look like he was about to die. Yeah, exactly, about to kick the bucket. It was such a simple campaign, but it, it, it worked. Well, the reason it worked is because Viv Beck and Leo Malloy stepped oh. aside. Keep that in mind, listeners. Had either of those stayed in the race, we would have seen Afiso pull through. Mm. It would have split the vote on the right. That's from, I've totally forgotten about that. Yeah. Then there were four, you know, there were four, then there were three, then there was, oh, there's only the last two. Amazing. But it makes you wonder, if he had been one of the ones to pull out, would it have been either of the other two? And I think the answer is no. I think it had to be him that survived to the end of that election period. Viv Beck just didn't have... The campaign architecture. No. She just wasn't sparking joy for anyone. And Leo Malloy was clinically insane. But, you know, Leo Malloy had had more in common with Wayne Brown than he did with Vivek. So, yeah, look at who won the election. Uh, An interesting one. So I think for Auckland, it's going to be a very challenging time working with central government. It's our largest city. They've got the city rail link. They've got major infrastructure projects going around. It's road cone capital. Mm. That relationship is going to be f***ing tenuous. Well, it's going to be interesting because we've never had a centre-right mayor there. It's always been a Labour Party mayor and always been a very well, like Phil Goss. With the same voting system just by the way exactly and it's always worked really well and when you look at 
to your point, the projects that are underway, they need to be able to form a strong partnership with central government. And I just don't think Wayne's got the appetite to form partnership with anyone. I agree. Maddie, should we make some predictions? Okay. My prediction is that there will be a spate of resignations inside Auckland Council. We've already started to see some from the CCO, so yep. the the head of Auckland Transport, she's gone. I'm talking, that's the chair, yep. I'm talking about council officers, Auckland Council staff, and I believe a number of councillors midterm will stand down because they cannot work with the mayor. Yeah, but what do these people go do? Do these no, people don't have worry jobs? About that. I don't care about that. Don't, I'm not worried about that. It's not. I'm not worried about the individual vibes. And I think Auckland Council, if the relationship breakdown is so bad, could be at risk of either newly election or commissioners. Auckland Council, no way. No way will we see commissioners there. Nuh-uh. Not with that many community boards in play. My prediction, Tori Fano will genuinely get Wellington moving. With that majority she has around the table, her strong connections into the Beehive through her Green Party staffer days, she's got good relationships with the likes of Julianne Genter and all those who are very adversarial around some of the policies that we're thinking in the Let's Get Wellington moving space. I think Ardern will have no choice but to make her a strong political ally. I think she's got a really bright future ahead and I think she's using Wellington as a springboard for that. Nah, I disagree. Let's Get Wellington Moving is not designed to improve movement in the city. I think Let's Get Wellington Moving is a disaster. It should be stopped and started again. And I think all we're going to see is fewer cars, fewer people in the CBD, a hollowed out CBD, and I think that's going to be put in front of Tori and she's going to have a hard time. And I think that's a really good note to leave this on. Well, Byron, I'm happy to put a scone each way on either of those predictions because I'm backing myself and Lord knows no one backs Byron Terrace like Byron Terrace. Exactly. So we'll wait and see. And until then, we'll see, we'll see you next week. week.